We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are here live on a Tuesday, which of course means we have turned the chapter, turned the page to the next upcoming game for Notre Dame. Of course, Saturday night, Notre Dame will be cha- will be traveling, excuse me, to Louisville, Kentucky, take on the top number 25 team in the country, the Louisville Cardinal, who are off to a 5-0 start, off to a very good start under Jeff Brom, obviously former Purdue coach, who also played quarterback for Louisville back in the day. So he's returned home with his younger son, Brian Brom, obviously another great Louisville quarterback to be their offensive coordinator. So a new younger brother, younger bro. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Younger brother. And Ain't Brian that Brom. old. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> Looks a little rough, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but we are excited here, obviously to now turn the page and see, give you guys a little bit of a Louisville preview. It's also a very interesting time of the year because despite us being just a couple days into October, Notre Dame is already halfway through their regular Crazy. season, already played six games. So by the time Saturday is over, Notre Dame will be more than halfway through the 2023 Crazy. season, which is pretty wild to think about, man. So we're going to do a little bit of a, we're going to kind of talk out what we've seen from Notre Dame football so far in the season, talk about what we've liked offensively, defensively, what are some question marks we have, what things that we think are going to be remedied moving forward, what needs to be remedied moving forward, and then, of course, highlight Louisville because they're a very interesting team outside of Jeff Brom obviously taking over and just injecting a little bit of life into that program. There's some key matchups that Notre Dame is going to be watching, some key players on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively because they are ranked very highly on both sides of the ball right now. 5 and 0 start number 25 school in the number 25 team in the country. So Brian, this is going to be an interesting one, man. I know we're excited for this one. I I will be honest, just kind of going into this one, watching the film, I expected a I expected something out of this Louisville team. And then I watched the film and they were a little bit of a different team than I initially anticipated. So we'll get into all that, man, but I know you're going to be down to Louisville, Kentucky, obviously covering this game. It's an exciting week yeah, for Notre Dame football, man. I feel like we're going to learn a lot about this team this week. A whole lot. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's, there's, this is such a, been such a strange period for Notre Dame, Ryan. If you look at the last four weeks, like the last two weeks, all people have done is just really kind of complain about the offense and the offense can't do this. The offense can't do that. And, and it's justifiable. The offense has not been good the last two weeks, but it's like, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about 
this being a record-setting Notre Dame offense that ranked in the top ten in scoring and yards and and all those kind of things. And so you you ask yourself like, okay, who are they really? You know, is this is this really a, a team that is a barely twenty point per game team against a, a good defense like Duke, a, a good defense like Ohio State, but aren't necessarily like you know vintage Georgia twenty twenty one defenses. You know, are are they off? Are they an offense that can can be a big play group like they were early in the year? You know, we're talking about getting questions about you know with the lack of explosiveness in the past game, and I'm like, two weeks ago we were talking about how Notre Dame had twice as many plays of you know 40 plus more yards than they had all of last year through four games and and that just begs the question of it it has been a little bit of a schizophrenic offense so far this year ryan and 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 you know not from a who they are because i think they are who they are as far as like what they want to run but how are they going to execute how are they going to play and we've seen the receivers have some pretty good games and we've seen them have some pretty bad games we've seen the offensive line have some really good games we've seen them have some really bad games and the interesting thing is some of their worst games are against, you know, offensive line-wise, were against teams that aren't even that good. You know, they struggled against Tennessee State. They played way better against Ohio State than they did against Tennessee State. And, yeah. you know, then they take a step back against against uh, Duke last week. So there's just a lot that we still have to learn about this football team. And, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing down there, Ryan, because this Louisville team will provide them with a test. They will have to be able to go out there and be better on offense in this game. They will have to be more disciplined on defense in this game because, you know, Louisville to me is a very similar team to Duke in regard to the quality of their team, right? They're a good 5-0 and team. They're not world beaters, but they're a good football team. They're coached relatively well. But as far as what got them to 5-0, and they're very different. You know, we talked about, at least like offensively, you know, we talked last week about, um, you know, about Duke as a as – a, they got a dynamic quarterback, but their receivers are just kind of, you know, good athletes and move around and, and, you know, make plays and move the chains and hopefully make you miss where you look at Louisville and you're like, this is a, this is a receiving core that wants to be dynamic. So it's going to test yeah. Notre Dame in a, in a way that they weren't tested last week against Duke. So there's just so many different things that you look at and say, this is going, even though this team, in my opinion, is similar in regard to where they stack up on the season, they're very different in, in what they do, and it's going to present a very unique test. In a lot of ways, Ryan, the things that we're going to talk about from Notre Dame, about what we want to see, who they need to be, the improvements they need to make, they're going to have to do those things against Louisville if they're going to win this game. Not only win the game, Ryan, but win the game in the way they need to. Yeah. Because I, I do believe – man, look, dude – you and I talked about it yesterday, all the teams in contention for the playoff spot, right? We talked about the mailbag and, and, you know, this team is good, but are they really great? This team is good, but are they really great? This year is one of those years where you need to get hot at the right time. And, and for me, Notre Dame has kind of hit that mid season lull. Are they going to bounce back and take off from it? Or is this just who they are? Right. And, you know, this weekend's going to be a, an opportunity to see, it's not going to give us the full answer, that's going to be more next Saturday, sure. but it's certainly going to give us a taste because Louisville to me is a much better get ready for USC game than Duke is because oh, yeah. of the speed and the dynamic ability and the spread the field and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to, we're going to see a very unique test this weekend and Notre Dame's going to have to step up and play well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville, or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. I think there's a lot of parallels actually to the Louisville USC team because I, I obviously USC is a, a much better team than Louisville is currently, but Louisville wins off of dynamic athletes offensively. That's you know they they have space players, they have guys that make people miss, and then defense they're trying to create a whole lot of chaos, right? Like sometimes it's a little bit unsound of, of chaos. Talking about Alex Grinch comparative to what Louisville is doing, but they're trying to get speed on that second and third level and trying to mix and match some speed up front. And they're trying to make you guess wrong a whole lot offensively so yeah we'll get into that obviously i think it's a great conversation though brian because i mean it's just such a different world we're living in about notre dame football than what we were just two years two weeks ago to your point right it's like the team that we saw weeks one through four for notre dame the first four games of the season despite them playing against a couple subpar teams you felt good about what you were seeing right because it's like Run game diversity, six-year senior that's his quarterback that's playing pretty good football. Defense has showed a lot of promise. But then you leave, obviously, the Ohio State and Duke game where you don't feel great about the offense nearly as much as you did. So now you're stu- stuck to the, is this team closer, at least offensively, to what was the first few games of the season? Or is it closer to what we saw when it's going to be against a, a good team, a, a really good defense, is it going to be closer to what we saw against Ohio State and Duke? Is that up in 
talent level from the opposition going to be a difference between if you're a dynamic offense or you're a subpar offense. I mean, that's kind of what we've seen the last two weeks. So it's a unique dynamic and one that I'm interested to really work through here because I don't 100% know what this team is offensively. At least I'm not sure. I think defensively, I have a pretty good grasp on what Notre Dame is because they've been just kind of doing it week after week in kind of different variables. There's going to be some parts of the defense that we need still need to figure out if that's a mainstay or that's a sticking point to the defense. But offensively, I'm not really sure who this team is right now. And there's a lot of things going on back behind the scenes, you know, wide receiver injuries and offensive line play has been really good some weeks and a little bit up and down in others and quarterback play has been mostly really good. But then last week, Sam had, a, had an off day, obviously. It's been a lot more volatile than what the defense yeah. has been this year. And, and we're going to find out very shortly if that is which version of this team we're ultimately going to get in 2023 for the rest of the year. So Ryan, on the the preview, we talked about doing the defense first. I actually want to do the offense first. I think I think we need to dive into that first. And 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 you just nailed it. It's who is who are they, right? Who are they now? The conversation on socials and on the message board is always going to be about the what happened most recently. Sure, it's like what happened the first four games is just out of people's minds now, and what they did the last two games is all we're going to talk about. And and to a degree, that's understandable because those are the two best defenses they've played so far, in my opinion. Uh, certainly two of the best three. And you're only and as good you, as your last play, right? I mean, so like that's sure. that's it. Yeah. And and so this team is it's still the same team that did those things, but it's more about, yep. okay, who are they really going to be moving forward? We've seen the ups and downs. Can they find a level of steadiness? And 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 I honestly think this team is still trying to is still searching a little bit for an identity offensively. Because and why I say that, it, yeah, they want to run the ball, but running the ball is not an identity. That that that's not that's not what makes an identity to me. Identity is how you play the game. You know what is your what is your overall philosophy and how you go into games and how you want to build your game plan. Yeah, they want to run the ball, but there's a lot of other things that we've seen from this team that that make me say, I don't think they know who they are yet. And and that's kind of I mean six games in, you need to kind of figure it out by now. And I understand that some of the receiver injuries have, have have made that a little bit tougher, at least this past week. But like, you know, some games you're going to come in and you're going to be aggressive and you're throwing the ball down the field and you're spreading the ball around and you're doing all that. You're you're running with a little bit of tempo at times. You're, you know, you're getting your backs involved in the pass game and it looks great. And then other weeks, it's just this really conservative, don't throw the ball down the field, you know, dink and dunk, you know, throwing a million passes to your tight ends and looking like you were last year. And it's like, okay, so is this what we're going to be when you play teams that aren't very good? You're going to light the world on fire and throw the ball downfield and throw a bunch of 70-yard touchdown passes. But when you play someone good, you're just going to get super conservative. That means you have no identity. That right. you, you, you need to figure out who, what your identity is and you need to build to that. And part of that's players got to step up. Part of that is coaches got to be willing to, to, hey, it's okay to make a mistake. Right. It, it is. Yep. You've got to be willing to take some more chances. And I think this is a Louisville defense. And as we'll get into later, that, that you you need to be willing to take some chances against. Right. But you also have to be smart about how you take those chances. And and I just I just think this learning team is a team still searching for identity and just the, the, the lack of consistency we see week to week from certain position groups speaks to that. Ryan. I mean, and that that, you know, when you when you talk about this learning football team, it all starts up front. Right. It yep. all starts up front. And when this offensive line is good, this team is really good. When this offensive line isn't good, this offense struggles. 
And, yep. you know, the first point we had in our, our sort of our offensive talking points was this offense needs to be more consistent. Well, what's been the most inconsistent group on the team? It's been the offensive line to me. And it's kind of gone. They go as the offensive line goes in, in, in a yep. lot of ways. And so that's something that we've got to figure out that Notre Dame is going to have to figure out as they move forward is you've got to start getting greater consistency from that group. They got six games under their belt now. It's yep. time to start really stepping up and taking that next level. That's got to be the first foundational aspect of, of of it. And part of getting your offensive line good, Ryan, is making sure that you stay true to what has worked for you in the run game, which is being physical, getting downhill, you know, having some run game scheme diversity. But what hurt them against Duke, in my opinion, is they went away from what had worked for them in the first few four or five games, which is you were willing to just get downhill and run your inside zone, run your quick power, stuff like that. And they got a little bit too, a little bit too happy with the backside pulls and all that kind of stuff. And Louisville actually plays that stuff pretty well in my opinion, on film. Where you can have some success against them is when you just run right at them. So we're going to see if they get back to that. But but establishing a little bit more of identity up, up front is important, and, and being more consistent is important. That that That's big step number one towards Notre Dame being the offense they're capable of being in the last six games. And you you know that they're capable, capable of being to their peak because they've done it against the best team on their schedule at this point, right? Like Ohio State was the best front seven that they have played so far. You talk about Tyreek Williams and Michael Hall and the defensive ends and Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. Like Ohio, Notre Dame came to play against Ohio State, right? Like their offensive line played absolutely fantastic. It is such a weird conversation though to have because usually when teams are inconsistent or a team is is a little bit of a, a – I'm going to say shallow ball a little bit, right? Is that you play really good ball against the worst teams on your schedule. And then you, you, I mean, against the best team on your schedule, excuse me. And then you dominate the worst teams, but that's not, that hasn't been Notre Dame, right? Like it has not been Notre Dame. Notre Dame has struggled against Tennessee States, for instance, to your points, right? But then you dominate Ohio state, but then you have a below average game against Duke. And it's just been so up and down. NC State and, as well. I don't think the NC offensive State. line played great against NC State. They had like six or seven really good blocking plays, but overall yeah. there was a lot of mistakes in that game too. And so the volatility is something that obviously you need to figure out because you don't know exactly the 100% identity of this offensive line. It's also interesting too for me, Brian, is that like an offensive line typically kind of just improves a little bit each game, right? Because it's it's so much offensive line play is not about just your individual strengths as a football player. It's also about the guy next to you, a collective group of five individuals working in unison, yada, yada, yada. Like that stuff matters so much and it's super cliche, but it happens every year. Usually offensive lines peak the middle to the end of the season. That's when you probably see their best football, when they really start to just understand who's next to them, how they're working together. This team has just been so back and forth and up and down, honestly, like I'm trying to figure out exactly what the reason for that is, right? Like it's not, it can't be a talent issue because if it was a talent issue, you would have gotten dominated against Ohio state. You would not have had a good day against Ohio state. It's obviously not a talent issue, but you need to figure out, is it something coaching wise that is an inconsistency? Are you not asking them to do certain things that they do really well? Are you asking them to do things that aren't their bread and butter, or at least in the wheelhouse a little bit? Is it a balance issue? Like, what is the issue from a game-to-game perspective that you have such volatility up front? 
And that for me, that's up to the coaches to figure out, man. That is, that's up for Jared Parker and the staff to understand. And again, I'm not saying necessarily it's, it's their fault a hundred percent, but ultimately if there's an imbalance and a back and forth and an inconsistency on the offensive line, there's something that you're asking them to do that is not clicking or something that you aren't asking them to do enough of that is not being utilized enough. So I think this is a time this past week is, is a great time for Jared Parker, coach Rudolph, this offensive staff to kind of take a step back and be like, Hey, what are we really good at? What makes right. this team the best possible version of ourselves? Because I agree. I don't think we've seen the best of it. Forget the four right. games of over 40 points to start the season. Forget the last two games. I think it's somewhere in between right now, those two realities. The question is, which way are you trending to? Are you trending upward or are you just kind of staying in the middle and your and your identity is never found and you just kind of muddle to the end? That's what I'm interested to see because I'm not really sure which reality is going to exist at this point. So when you look at the offensive line to me, Ryan, the Duke game would not bother me as much if it was if if the only criticism was they didn't run enough downhill zone, which was working. They tried to do too much gap stuff and 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 Duke had a great game plan and schematically they just kicked your butt a little bit. I can actually live with that. That's happened to me as a coach before. You know, we're like, hey, you know what? Our game plan, we thought this was going to be good. It ended up not being good. We didn't adjust well enough. I mean, coaches have bad games too. It happens. The thing that the, the reason that I get concerned about it being more than that is because in the Duke game, it was more than just that. It was also, and this is, was the issue against NC State. What did they do so well against Ohio State? It was they moved their feet. They played with great angles. Their timing was good. They under, they knew exactly what Ohio State was going to throw at them schematically, and they they had answers for it, and they were prepared for it. And then there's other games you know, like NC State, for example, I, I I view differently as Duke because a lot of the stuff NC State did was just overloading them with numbers, and there's not a lot you can do about that as an offensive line. And yep. but what, when they did have issues where it was about them, it's they would just not move their feet in the in, inside against Duke. It was not moving your feet. It was it's this back and forth between wow they played with really good technique, they used their hands well, they played with good angles, they moved their feet. And then you watch the Duke game, and it's the polar opposite. One week they look like they absolutely know exactly what's happening game plan-wise, and then the next week it's uncertainty. That's where I get a little bit concerned. Now, is that a no-coordinator thing? Is that a no-line coach thing? Is that an all-of-them thing? That, that, that's, a, that's a concern, right? There, there has to be some level of consistency where I at least know they're going to play with good technique every week. I at least know right. they're going to be physical every week. Well, I, I will say this. I have not once questioned, gee, I don't know if the offensive line wants to battle today. That's a good thing. Right. That's a good right. place to be. I've never been like, man, you know, Pat Coogan just wasn't competing today. Uh, or, man, Rocco just, he didn't want to be out there today. That has never been a question. But they've gotten their butts kicked at times because it's like, why are they st- why are they stop moving their feet this week? Why aren't they yep. using their hands this week? Why are they catching this week as opposed to delivering punishment? And those are the things you're going to have to figure out. And and that's where I kind of feel like a lot of the success they had in the run game the first five weeks was because they were so diverse and mixed things up and putting in new wrinkles every week uh, off their stuff that they do. And then they kind of went away from that last week. And, and it's like they weren't as prepared for what Duke was going to do. And then they didn't counterpunch as well as they needed to. So those those things have to f- get figured out to me with the offensive line, right? It's just it, it's a yeah. consistency of, of of it's not a consistency of effort. It's a consistency yeah. of execution. And just the fundamentals, and 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 that's that's what gets me a little bit um, like okay, that's a bit of a red flag for me. 
it, it, sure. as long as it continues. I, I just I just think that there needs to be some self-evaluation that needs to happen and understanding of like what what are what are our goals, what are we good at, and how are we gonna get there ultimately? And everybody right. needs to be on the same page. I mean, I don't again, I don't know 100 percent what the issue is either. I mean, I think that there's more than likely it's probably a combination of a couple things, you know, typically, but I mean, ultimately, I'm not in that room every single day. I'm not on right. the practice field. I don't know exactly what's going on in those team meetings. We can only t- talk about what we see on game days, obviously. And then the little availability we get onto the practices and the preseason and then the press conferences and that type of stuff. So we'll see. I, Brian, I mean, I, the offensive line is one that I, I agree that Notre Dame is going to go as this offensive line goes because Sam Hartman, if protected well, he's going to be okay, right? The running backs mm-hmm. are going to be a-okay if their offensive line is working really well. You're going to get opportunity for guys to, to get – their pass routes a little bit more consistently and to get more open because they don't have to rush things and you have to you don't have to you, you can just ease into the game a little bit but i will say the other major concern outside of just offensive line cons- consistency is wide receiver play right now yep. that's where we are because again i feel like we saw some really positive signs early on in the season and then they're just slight inconsistency a little bit right and then you ease into some more inconsistency and then of course now you're dealing with these injuries, right? You had two of your main pass catchers out for this for the Ohio State game, dealing with hamstring injuries in Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas. Will they be back this week? I I, I believe that Jaden Greathouse will probably most likely be back, but we'll see if Jaden Thomas will be good to go. But we also know that there were a couple of wide receivers that played that are also dealing with the same type of hamstring issues, right? So there are I think there's some reasons why maybe the wide receivers have kind of just been stagnant or even taking a step back in some capacity. But regardless, you are not going to beat teams like USC, even Louisville potentially, and some of the better, more high-octane offenses on the schedule. And you're definitely not going to compete for a championship if the wide receivers don't play better than what we've seen so far this year. Well, and, and like with Jaden Thomas, for example, you know, say you didn't have him against Duke. Well, we need to see Jaden Thomas step up and play better against the Power Five teams. You know, we've talked about this too. Jaden Thomas has been the model of consistency against the Group of Five teams. It's like four, he has he's had four catches for either like sixty-two or sixty-three yards in all those games. Then he has one catch, zero catches against NC State, zero. On uh, I think it was four targets, and then he has and he drops a deep ball. Then you go against Ohio State, and he has one catch for seven yards on three targets. So one catch for seven on seven targets against the two Power Five teams, and so. You know, that's a guy that you're building your offense around. You want him to be a part of, of, you know, what your football team is going to be. He's got to be a, a leader. You can't have your boundary receiver have one catch in two games against your power five opponents. You can't have yeah. that. He's going to have to play at a higher level. But then you got to ask yourself, well, what are who are the other answers? You know, they they tried playing Tobias Merriweather in the boundary some this past week, and he didn't step up and answer the bell. Right. You, you, you've tried Rico Flores. They've put in there a little bit as a rotation guy. Rico can do some nice things, but Rico's not a guy you want being a, a boundary guy. He's, he's more of a field guy. He needs space. And, and where was the big catch he had against, uh, against, um, uh, Duke? It was working over the middle of the field, right? Things like that. You know, so that they're going to have to really be open to, uh, when you look at the receiving core, Ryan, they're going to have to be open to, okay, this is what we've done. Here's what's worked. Here's what's didn't work. Didn't has hasn't worked, and they've got to be willing to say what changes do we need to make. And I'm not talking about benching guys per se. I'm talking about do we need to think rethink who's playing where in right. order to get certain guys and, moving. 
and also and like snap snap share snap yeah. share too though right like no no one should be get benched and just not play at all but like does a guy need to play a little bit more does a guy need to play maybe a slightly bit less do we need to just kind of tour right. with the rotation is kind of my biggest thing or or does a guy need to play more over here right. as opposed to here those are all things they're going to have to kind of to figure out and answer and and that's what you know and and then when you have them what are you doing with them you know because the yep. stuff you're doing past game right now sometimes you can say well you know this guy needs to step up but other times you need to say are you really doing the best you you need you can with these players are right. there things that you can be asking chris tyree to do that you're not asking Jaden greathouse to do and and that's the thing is like you watch their route packages ryan they're very similar they're not mm -hmm. asking Chris Terry to do different things. When he's in the game, he's basically just doing what Jaden Greathouse does. Well, Jaden Greathouse is better at those things. Um, yeah. You know, what I want to see from the coaching staff is, okay, when Chris Tyree's in the game, we're going to do some of these things to utilize his unique skill set. And we're not seeing that. You know, we're six games through the season, and, and Rico Flores and Jaden Thomas go in motion way more than Chris Tyree. That's a problem because they're not threatening you at all. There's no threat there with them going in motion. It's just okay, we we know that that guy's going over there to get in position to block or run kind of some kind of slide route. It doesn't have any impact on the run game whatsoever. And and so there's just parts of your offense that you're not utilizing. Okay, Tobias Merriweather's struggling right now. Are there things we can do to get him going? You mentioned it yesterday. Do we need to do something early in the game where we get him the football quickly? Are there things that yes. that we need to do we're saying, "Hey, maybe maybe we need to move him around a little bit." within the offense maybe you know maybe there's some route combination things that we need to do more with him you know maybe we need to do more with inverts and stacks and motions to to where he's not getting pressed as much there all of it needs to be on the table for the coaching staff after what we saw past game the last two weeks and it wasn't just this past game because if it's just one game you say look duke had a good game plan we were down two guys you know we're gonna be all right Yep. But this was the problem against Ohio State as well, right? And this isn't this isn't a new thing. And the pass game against NC State, honestly, this is why I say you can't always look at numbers because you had 65-yard gain against NC State on a busted scramble play. Yep. You take that play away and your numbers look very similar to what they were like against Duke, right? And And so those are things you look at and say they're going to have to – be willing to to and this isn't throw it all out. This is you've got to be able to to tinker with things. Maybe you're using this guy right now for that route, but you need to be using this guy for that route. You know, right now the slot guy Chris Tyree is doing a lot of the over middle ins and overs and stuff. So okay, the well, teams are kind of sitting on that. So maybe you do some things where you go duo or trips or duo for me is um, like out of twenty one personnel or twenty personnel. You have two to the right, one over or the way that Notre Dame has done it out of 11 personnel, they line up like that, but then like the tight ends, like in a wing or an offset, whatever, you know, but whenever you have those guys in, you know, doubles formation with an attached tight end, trips formation, with an attached tight end, whatever you're doing, maybe you invert them and, and you have Tobias or, or Jaden Greathouse, which I would love to see Jaden Greathouse and, and Chris Tyree together at times to the field. Yes. But maybe you invert them. And so then you're doing things where that that bigger guy on the inside is maybe taking some of that inside attention. And now you're doing some unders and some deep ends and some things like that with Chris Tyree, where it's more coming from the outside, you know, where you're right. running clear outs and you're bringing Chris Tyree underneath. There's different things because you need to get him in space. And right now they're asking him to be a route runner. And yep. you need to do things to get him in space. So that's an example where I don't think this staff is doing a good enough job 
of saying, hey, here's what these kids do well. Let's scheme to that. It's like they're just saying, this is our scheme. Hopefully you guys right. fit into it. That's that's. I, I think Jared Parker's done a lot of good things. That's probably my biggest complaint with him. And 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 part of that is the lack of RPO throws. The fact that we've seen Chris Tyree catch like maybe one or two RPO throws the whole year is is. And, and part of me wonders if that's a Marcus Freeman thing. It really does because everything I heard about Jared Parker from other coaches, uh, from people around the program, he's a big fan of RPOs. Yeah. Then and we saw a ton of them. We talked about it in the spring. We talked about fall camp. We've seen a lot of RPOs. And then we get the games. We're not seeing RPOs. And you're like. Yeah. What's the reason for that? Is that a decision coming from on top, or is it just a, a once you get to games an unwillingness to go to them? I don't know the answer to that, but who, whatever the reason is, that reason needs to be eliminated, and this needs to be a bigger part of it because the way teams are defending you, you're going to be able to break a couple of those plays. Sure, you just are. I know your receivers are blocking well, and you can mix it up and all that, but those are different things, Ryan. Where you've got to figure out a way to get your receivers sparked whether it's RPOs, whether it's mixing and matching who's lining up where, whether it's making some some tweaks to your to to your alignments and and who's running what, but it's up to them to find ways to get these guys going. That's what they're paid to do. That was my job as a coach. My receivers are struggling. It wasn't well, they're playing like crap, coach. Well, whose fault is that? Who's responsible for that? You are. Get it get it fixed. And that's what Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey need to do as well. It's it's such a weird it's such a weird situation that you're in with the wide receivers right now too. Cause it's just like, for me, I mean, I, I would, I would be evaluating that position every single day moving forward. Right. I mean, as if you're, you're already doing that anyway, right. That's what practice is for every single day, but you have to know if you're Notre Dame, like this could be a position that really holds you back offensively. This could be one where it's like a difference between being a good offense and a great offense or a great one or to an elite one. Like that's the separator in my opinion. And I really think that one Notre Dame needs to inject a little bit of confidence into this group. However, that happens, right? Whether that is during the day-to-day perspective, whether that is being a little bit more creative on game days or let loose a little bit. I mean, it's 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 this isn't hundred percent going to happen because this is never how this truly works. But I think that the offensive coaching staff needs to be a little bit more open to being a little bit uncomfortable, right? And letting things happen and being a little bit aggressive. Like that's what I want to see with this offense a little bit, right? RPOs can be in a very aggressive way to get people involved and get them in the space quickly. Running maybe a couple different passing concepts that maybe you don't run a lot of. That's a way to be a little bit uncomfortable, but also a way to be like, hey, that might not be my bread and butter as a coach, something that I love, but like that's what my players do well right now. That's what they do well, and that's what I need to evolve into in order to get them in the best possible situation. And I think you said it perfectly, Brian. And I've talked, I've talked about this in the past. I know you have as well. Understanding what your players do well and what they still need to improve at is like the biggest thing in coaching. That's like number one, right? Why am I treating Chris Tyree like he is a 6'1", 210-pound slot receiver? He's not, guys. Where's the jets? Where's the screens? Where's the RPO action? Where is the crossers, like the mesh concepts, right? Like I keep seeing mesh where I'm just like, okay, mesh, cool. I like mesh. I actually love mesh. Guy gets it, but it's just like no after catch threat after that because that's not their strong suit, right? But hey, if you get a if you get a someone in man coverage and they get knocked off their coverage there and Chris Tyree just gets a little sliver, like, he can make a big play out of it. He can make a difference. We've literally have seen it already this season that if they are able to do that, it can happen. 
So I really think that this is more a this is a a discovery period for Notre Dame offensively, in my opinion, with the wide receivers. They need this team, this need that unit to be better. First and foremost, you have to get them healthy and get them back to where they were. But also, you whoever you have out there, whether it is one or two guys out, whether it is three guys out, whether it's no guys out, you need to understand. This is what Jaden Thomas does really well. This is what Tobias Merriweather does really well. This is what Chris Tyree does very well. I don't care about X, Y, and slot. I don't care about that. I care about what my player does well and make it fit into my offense. And they don't do enough right. of that. They don't. That's no. that's actually my that's my number one criticism of this offense in general is that I don't think that they play to the strengths enough of everyone, not just wide receivers either, but wide receiver I think is probably the biggest example right now for me. When you talk about the mesh stuff that they have done, Ryan, it's very like, okay, we know where it's coming from. It's telegraphed. It's like, okay, the backside X is going to run across and the slot's going to run across. And that's it. And that's kind of what I get into is sometimes you can run the same concept. It's like running game. You can run the same concept, but if you can get to it in a different way, it's going to have, it's going to hit different. And Ohio Ohio state under urban Meyer, they ran mesh a million times, but it was always was different variation of mesh. You're just like, right. It looks like mesh, but then also there's mesh spots. There's a a wheel. Ryan, right? Like here's a couple examples. Okay. So here's three ways that Notre Dame should run mesh right now that they're not doing. They're really not doing number one. Okay. Instead of lining up in your just normal two by two alignment, and having your backside tight end running in, and then your your X run across, and then Chris Tyree runs across, and you run something else, for, you know, play side. How about this? How about you do like an invert, right? So sort of like a mini stack outside. Have your one guy clear, and then maybe you bring Chris Tyree in motion from the outside or just stack him. He runs across where he kind of comes up and then goes. Then you run it that way. That's one. Uh, line up with Chris Tyree to the boundary, okay? Or in it, maybe in a two-by-two. Motion him across, then bring him back on across, right? Get them to declare, get them thinking this way, and then have him sprint, but get him running. Here's another way that mesh needs to be run, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's this right here. You're lining up in a three-by-one alignment. You have your X here, and right now they're just running across and then a running back wheel. That's, that's how they run it. And then you bring the cross yeah. from the front side. That's what they're doing. Here's a thought. How about you do something like this? How about instead of running that kind of concept, you maybe run like a, a, a smash concept out of a three-by-one backside. So your tight end runs a corner, and you have Jeremiah Love run some kind of slide route, and then you take it that, that way, and then you bring a mesh across. Or here's another way to do it. You know, put put Chris Tyree into the boundary in a two-by-two alignment with Jeremiah Love, Jerrion Price in the backfield, and I think this would be great for Jeremiah Love because people are looking for it, and run Jeremiah Love right up the seam, right up the seam and take away that backer and bring your mesh right up underneath it. That's the kind of stuff that teams like Ohio State will do, Ryan, where it's I'm using this to isolate this guy. And yep. if you don't run with this guy, then you know I'm going to be open. So I run Jeremiah Love right on the seam, bringing my backside guy on a deep end cut, and I'm bringing Chris Tyree on a cross. It's, it's who you are. It's the mesh levels you like to run, but you're getting to it in different ways, and you're running guys out where right now they're just running – just basic mesh and people are just yep. sitting on it. And, yep. and there's just, they're, they're lacking the creativity and they're lacking the movement needed to speed it up. In my opinion, because right. when Ohio state runs mesh, it just looks a lot faster than when their name does it. And it's not just because their players are faster. That's not the only reason why. 
right. and that comes down to that urgency. But that's also partly on you as a coach to create the urgency with how I, you get also, into it. I also feel like I've seen a lot of mesh with Notre Dame against zone coverage where you're just like, that doesn't work quite as well against zone coverage as it does against man because then no one's getting picked off and nobody's especially running against Duke. each other. Yeah, <laughs> especially against Duke. That. Did you think they were expecting more man in that game for some reason? Like it just kept like it, it felt like they just kept trying to beat like that. man beaters. And I, they I, I guess I, I guess that could have been their mindset. I just don't understand why that would be their mindset. I mean, because yeah. like Duke know, Duke knows the injury report as well. Like they know that right. three wide receivers are out for Notre Dame as well. Like why am I threatened by Notre Dame's receivers right now? I mean, that shouldn't have been a thought process at all. Right. So maybe that maybe that was a part of it. But yeah, I, it definitely seemed. To, I, I didn't think that Duke res- respected Notre Dame's receivers. I, I did not think they met like the Owl Blades and and the other couple corners that they had, Chandler Rivers. Like they, I didn't think that they respected yeah. the receivers at all. You need yeah. to come out of this game, I think. And it, it's not as much a USC thing because USC USC doesn't have a great defense in general, right? But it's it for the better defenses you're going to play down the stretch. You need you need them to 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 be a little bit afraid of your wide receivers, man, because it's easy to key on one position group, right? Gets harder when you have to key on now two different ones. But when you have the full arsenal up there, it's almost impossible to stop, right? Like it almost is. So Notre Dame needs to find some threat at wide receiver right now. Because if I was a defensive coach right now, if I'm Louisville this weekend, dude, I am I am running zone across the board and blitzing heavy as possible as I can. I'm going to try to heat up Sam Hartman. I'm going to try to stop the run game. And I am going to say, wide receivers, show me you can beat me, sir. Like, show me you can beat me. But not beat me in man, because I'm not going to be stupid and just be like, I'm going to play press man and give you these easy releases if you make me miss the line of scrimmage. I'm going to say, I'm going to play six yards off you, either in man or, or or zone, and just say, do something, man. Do something. And if they can't, they can't. And that's the end of it, right? But I, that's, that's as much respect as I would have from a defensive caller perspective for Notre Dame's wide receivers right now. I wouldn't respect them. I wouldn't, to be very honest with y'all. I would not expect them. Because if you're breaking Notre Dame down right now, you're going to look at the Central Michigan game. Like, they took some shots in that game. But you're going to be like, they went after a bad team. They haven't been willing to be that way against anybody else. They haven't been that aggressive against anybody else. And that's going to have to change. They're going to have to be willing to take some shots. And then here's the thing too, Ryan. Taking shots and then they're always incomplete doesn't do a whole lot, right? You need to be able to hit those shots. But that's where I'm coming from is it's not even so much about here's the schemes that you've been running. Throw them all out. It's just like your run game. Be Maybe get to it a little bit differently and yeah. and, and be willing to rethink your personnel and those type of things. So those are going to be aspects of, of what this team needs to do pass game wise. Because to your point, Ryan, I think you nailed it right there. If I'm a, if I'm NC State, if I, I mean – USC is not going to do anything different this year than they did last year against Notre Dame, which is basically we're going to put a bunch of guys in the box and make you beat us on the football. Yep. And right now, Notre Dame's receivers aren't playing as well as they were at the end of last year. They're not. So then that's a problem. Now, part of it's injury. I mean, yeah, Deion Coles, who playing playing really well late last year. Jaden Thomas was mm-hmm. playing really well in the slot last year. Yep. They're going to have to find some of those answers because it is good. You have seen the tight end wake up the last couple of weeks. That's become a much bigger sure. part of what you're doing. But now it's like, okay, now you've got to use that to your advantage to now get your receivers much more involved in, in this aspect of it. Cause you're just, you're not going to run the table if yeah. your receivers are playing the way they have the last couple weeks. You, you know, you know, my, my biggest worry for this game, Brian, is that, and, and I don't know if the, and this is just a, a worry that had in the back of my mind earlier, but 
with what Mitchell Evans just did last week, it would be very easy for an offensive coach to be like, I'm going to steer into that, right? I'm going to yeah. steer into the six catches, 130-something yards. And I understand that thought process, right? Mitchell Evans is playing really good ball, but Mitchell Evans is much more effective if there's other things working around right. him to allow him to get one-on-one coverage and sit down in soft spots. Because now Louisville's looking at that game tape from last week against Duke and being like, last all right, well, weeks. 88's not going to beat us. Like, we're not going right. to let that dude beat us. Are we crazy? Like, I'm not going to let that happen to me because nobody else showed that they could be that guy consistently during that football game. So all eyes are going to be on Mitchell Evans from Louisville, in my opinion. The last two weeks, they have looked very much like what we saw last year. That's my problem. And you can say, well, that's a Jared Parker. So all of a sudden, Jared Parker just morphed into Tommy Reese the last two weeks. Is yeah, that I don't what I'm that. supposed to believe? No, it's not. That. No. That's why I got that's why part of me wonders if this is kind of a a, a bigger picture issue, right? That yeah. needs to be addressed. And they just need to kind of let it rip and just and just be more aggressive. You can't, you're not gonna win a championship just saying, hey, let's not beat ourselves. Right. There's teams you're going to have to beat. That's the reality of it. Maybe Louisville's not that team, Ryan, but USC will be. USC, you're you're going to have to beat USC. It's not just go out there and, you know, just don't make mistakes. You're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to go take that game and win that game. If you're able to run the table, you go to at Clemson. I mean, I I know Clemson's not a world beater, but Notre Dame just barely beat Duke. You know what I mean? And and Clemson's going to be a lot better on November 4th than they were on the first Saturday of the season. And, right? and Clemson should have beaten Florida State a couple weeks ago yes. if you watch their football yes. game. So, yes, they're not a bad football team. They're not as good as they maybe can be or should be. And we're but, like, past, they're, right. they're still a tough team, man. Right. They're still a tough team. Well, and yeah. they just smacked a pretty good Syracuse team. Syracuse had yes. been pretty solid the first five games of the year. And Clemson, or four. Were they a 4 0? Or they were 4 0, right? And, and they went on the road and just smacked them. I mean, yeah. honestly. And there were some. I still don't understand what Dino was thinking on that. Did you see the? Did you watch that? Did you see the fake? The, the they went for it on fourth down, like at midfield, up fourteen. Like you're down, you're down fourteen seven. One of the Clemson touchdowns came off of a fumble where they, you know what I mean, and they recovered it. Like your defense have been playing pretty well. You're in this game. You, you kind of had a sloppy first half. Just take your chances, punt it, play field position, maybe going to halftime 14-7. And then he does that, and then all of a sudden, just like that, it's 21-7. And they never recovered from it. But that's momentum a was gone. Di- yep. different conversation for a different day. But that was a good, yep. convincing win by Clemson. You're yep. going to have to go down there. The crowd's going to be crazy, and you're going to have to win that game. You have to earn that game. And then, of course, if you are able to run the table, you know you're going to have to do that against Texas, and you know you're going to have to do that against Washington. You're not going to ask your offense to hold those teams to 14 and 17 points if you want to win. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And and that's why I say is like you know we can we can we can blame this coach and that coach and the other coach. But at the end of the day, there's been a common theme that's happened with now two offensive coordinators, in yeah. in some of the bigger games, and that 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 has to be addressed. That's where the head coach has got to stand there and say, hey, look, you know maybe what I've said to you has caused you to feel you have to do this, but here's what here's here, here here's all I'm saying. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. we need to make sure we're protecting the football but we also can't be so conservative that we're just unwilling to take chances because right. Duke was just sitting there, Ryan, you saw it squatting on, they we're not worried about you. We're going to, we're going to play these levels. We're going to do this. And because you run levels the same exact way, almost every time you have like two, yep. three ways of doing it. We're, we're going to sit on it. 
and and play it. And so there's just some things like that they're going to have to do, in my opinion, moving forward. And and this will be your first chance to really get it done offensively. Let's just talk a little bit about the defense, Ryan, because yep, this is one of those sides of the ball where it's it's not so much so many complaints. It's been a pretty consistent group for the most part as far as the overall results and effectiveness uh, this season. But even within that, Ryan, we 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 kept saying like, look, yeah, I know the results are really good for the defense, but there's some red flags that I have that against better teams, you're you're you're, you're you could get in trouble, right. and that's why my biggest question moving forward with the defense is is what we saw against Duke a one-off that was unique to stopping Duke or is this going to become the new normal because if this becomes the new normal I am really excited about what this defense is going to be the rest of the way the new normal being we're going to still stay aggressive outside but we're going to turn this front four loose and we're going to let our linebackers run And we saw that against Duke. And yeah, there was mistakes here or there. It's like a buddy of mine last night. He's like complaining. I'm like, man, they scored 14 points. You can't shut everybody out. Well, what about that couple series? Yeah. So out of Duke's nine possessions, they had two touchdown drives. Like that's, again, that's, that's pretty good, you know, but, and then they adjusted and they adjusted and made stops. So it's like, if this is the new normal, I'm a lot more excited about this being something that translates to the rest of the year, Ryan. And that's, but Mm -hmm. we don't know what that answer is going to be, but I'm really fingers crossed, wishing and hoping that this is, this is just kind of where Al Golden's going to say, okay, I need to turn these kids loose a little bit. Well, I mean, cause they can make plays, right? Like that's the, that's been the frustrating part is that we see when Riley Mills is let loose a little bit, when Howard Cross is let loose a little bit, like they can make plays, man. I mean, we talked about it over the post game show, but like 13 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, a sack and two forced fumbles from a nose tackle is outrageous. I mean, and meanwhile, I've seen now multiple days back to back this director of the senior bowl, Jim Nagy is tweeting about Howard cross as far as how his game was the best game he's seen of any defensive tackle all year and all that type of stuff. Right. And Riley Mills was also highlighted by the East West Shrine Bowl as well yesterday, as far for as his, like his performance. Play. Wasn't it? Yeah. Was, wasn't yeah. it for against Duke? And then yeah. the week before, Pro Football Focus graded Riley Mills as the best defensive tackle in all of college football for what he did against Ohio State. And Howard Cross, I believe, is a top five graded player on the season at his position at defensive tackle. I just, it, my point was. They're is both that top 10, is, by the way. They're yeah. both top 10. Yeah. My, my point, though, is that this isn't just a coincidence that you finally let your defensive line loose a little bit and Howard Cross and Riley Mills look unblockable. That's not a coincidence, right? It, it, it happened because you allowed it to happen. You, as a coach, said, my guys are better than their guys. Go attack, attack. And when you have a defensive line, and defensive tackles especially, when you have a nose tackle that is six foot, 280 pounds, that, that's that's his style right like he is a gap shooting explosive quick twitch interior defensive lineman that's what Howard Cross does luckily for you he's also been very good at two gapping this year surprisingly for a kid that is only 280 pounds but we saw when you steer into strengths the defense was already good it could be potentially great I think I think it has that much upside I really do because now that you're looking at it and saying if you attack with your front four and you have the two quarters that you have on the back end and your safeties in the middle of the field just play good football. I'm not asking for exemplary. I'm not asking for elite. They play good football to the middle of the field. Your defense is a chance to be one of the better defenses that you've had in several years. Like you really do have that type of upside. I mean, your worst game so far was, I, 
I mean, you gave up 24 points, but one of the touchdowns was a garbage time against NC State. You I would have say Central played, Michigan was probably their worst game so far. Yeah. As far as how they played. But, right. But even that one, you gave up, what, 17 points. You gave up 17 points to Ohio State. And 268 yards of offense <laughs> against it's Central just, Michigan, right? I mean, Defense has been very right. good. That's why I always push back against right. the Al Golden crowd because I've always been on the same wavelength as far as fans saying Al Golden still needs to do some things differently, right? Yes. Steering into more strengths. There's no doubt about that. But to act like this defense hasn't been good this year is asinine. Like that's not right. the reality that we live in. That is not the reality. Right. The reality, though, is, though, is that next step, if what we saw in Duke now translates to the rest of the season, I think this could be one of the best defenses in all college football for the remainder of the season. I think it has that type of upside, but it starts with, up front, you said, Howard Cross is a Howard Cross leads your team of tackles right now as a nose tackle. Think about that, guys. It's nuts. He's on track for like 70-something tackles this year. With a, I mean, he's on track for 70 in a 10, in a 12-game season. But over seventy, as a you know, as far as a bowl game or whatever else comes after that, like that's that's nuts, man. He's playing great football. Riley Mills is playing great football. Javante Jean Baptiste is playing real good football. You need to get more out of the Viper position, but regardless, you have playing some really good football up front, and you need to steer into that right now. Steer into it. I'll give you a little bit even more, Ryan. Number yeah. one is he's tied for second on the team in solo tackles. All right, so this isn't like your nose tackles just like piling up. He's the second guy in all the time. He's sec- tied for second on your team in solo tackles yep. with 15 right now. Yep. And look, look, here's the deal, man. Number one, the reason that we kept saying they had to be better is because as good as they were, they were doing that against subpar offensive competition. Until Ohio State, they had not played a good offense. Duke's a good offense, but it's not an elite offense, yep. right? So it was like – Yes, they're doing very well because they have very good players, and some of the scheme things they're doing are very good, but they need to take that next step, and that's what I saw against Duke, Ryan. When you can go into a game on the road against a ranked opponent, and your interior defensive line rotation can give me 13 run stops and seven quarterback pressures, there's not a lot of teams that are going to put a lot of points on the board against that. There just isn't, And, and that's exactly what they did against Duke this past week, Ryan, is, is that's, that's the production that they had the week before you're starting, you're starting to, this is against Ohio state, your defensive tackle rotation in that game gave me 12 pressures and seven run stops against Ohio state. That is a excellent production in back-to-back games against ranked opponents for your interior guys. And what we saw against Duke was when you really turn a loose. So we've had – remember how time, how many times we had this question, Ryan? Um, what do you guys mean by turning them loose? Now I just want to say that. <laughs> that. That's what it means to turn them loose. Use them yep. as weapons, not as use them to be stout and physical and let other people make plays, but use them as weapons. And that's what we did. Well, who was the primary – uh, weapon that they use to shut down Riley Mills, Riley Leonard's run game, like quarterback reads and the read zones and the power reads it was Riley Mills. Yep. Like he was the guy that you trusted him to wrap around and be right there to blow that stuff up, you know? And, and so when you, when you allowed those guys to attack, they were really, really good. And, and that's got to continue right to me, because there's not an offensive line Ryan left on the schedule to me that I look at and say, I don't think they match up well with that offensive line. But yeah, no, I, schedule. I agree. Yep. So, you know, and, and yes, Duke missed Graham Barton. There's no doubt. 
because sure. anytime you don't have a guy like that, but as you said yesterday, they didn't Duke Duke's issues weren't because their left tackle didn't play well. No, they, they had all their starters inside. Like Jake and Monk, like those right. are the guys that struggled against Notre Dame. I right. Mean, Cause he's, he's their best interior. He's their best offensive lineman outside of Grant Barton. Like Jacob Monk is a kid. that's probably going to play in the NFL for a little bit. Like he's a good football player. And I mean, we saw Howard Cross just get unleashed on that kid and make him look like he was a, a freshman or a sophomore a lot of the time, you know, like he did that. So I, that's why I always push back on the people that say, you know, defensive line is not nearly talented enough. I'm just like, you, dude, you need to recruit defensive line more consistently and better. There's no doubt. But to say that that defensive line doesn't have talent, I mean, guys, I'm, I'm here to tell you again, like Riley Mills is going to get drafted this year and probably a lot higher than people anticipate. I'll, I'll say it like that. I think Howard Cross is going to have a chance despite size limitations of playing in the NFL and sticking. I think he has that opportunity. Jamonte Jean-Baptiste, I think, is going to have a chance to play on the next level. There, there's a lot of talent on that defensive line. It's about it's about utilization for me. That's the biggest thing that we've been missing up there. But hats off to whatever the message was this past week, whether it was a, a pure Al Golden thing, whether it was a from up or up higher, or whether it was a defensive line coach saying like, guys, like we need to turn this loose. Whoever it was, or collaborative effort, whatever, you got the most out of your defensive line this past week. But it needs to continue to move forward because you know what, Louisville. If you and we'll get there obviously, but if you heat up this quarterback and you get to him. But not a great offense. They're not because that's that's the weak point, in my opinion. When you get to USC, you're going to be going against a magician at quarterback where you need to get that dude on the ground. Clemson with Klubnik, like he can move around a little bit. You need to make him uncomfortable. There are some challenges that you have on the schedule remaining that the defensive line can really kind of quiet, I think, some concerns. Ryan, I, I looked this up earlier about yep. Jacob Monk, the kid you're yep. talking about. It's on the freaks list, you, man. <laughs> well, here's the deal. He's also a five-year starter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm like, folks, Ryan, you know this, so I'm not saying this yeah. to you, but you all hear me correctly. He's a fifth-year starter. Yes. Because he started <laughs> as a – I don't know if he's a freshman or redshirt. Is he a fifth or a sixth this year, Ryan? Was I, he I a think true he's freshman a, I, think he's, I think he's a sixth-year, so I think he's Okay, so he starts yeah. as a redshirt freshman in 2019. Starts as a, you know, 2020, 21, 22. And because of the 2020 COVID stuff, he comes back. So he's in his fifth season as a full-time starting offensive lineman. Yep. He's played a lot of football. He gave up five pressures on Saturday. Ties yep. for the most he's ever given up in his career. He's a good player, man. Once last year, did it once as a true freshman in 2019. Right? So, like, that. That's that's the point is, like, they did some really good things against – now, some of you all may not know who he is, but but yep. like like you talked about, Ryan, this is a guy that's a, a pretty good football player. And, and you know, we talk about you know Maurice McIntyre, right? This is a kid that that is a, another sixth year senior, their other guard. He's yep. a sixth year senior. He's had over 800, 800 um pass snaps in his career, over eight hundred. He's only given up 26 pressures his entire career. Four of them came Saturday night against Notre Dame, against their interior guys. Yep. So, you know, look, it was a it was an epic performance, man. It really was. That what was we one saw of the from best, that group was impressive. That was one of the best interior duo performances that I can remember, like at Notre Dame. I mean, because you always have like the jerry tillery stanford game right where that's like one person and you've had like a couple of those i mean you talked about the sheldon day performance against temple like yesterday right but 
not often you get both guys playing at that high of a level. Because yes, Howard Cross stole the headline, but guys, watch the film. Riley Riley Mills was very good that game as well. Like he wasn't, you know, he was very very good. Right. So it's uh, it's gonna be. Interesting, I got man. I got a little something else for you, Ryan. I know you love data like I love data. Yep. Maurice McIntyre, the other guard. Okay, six two three fifteen. He's had over eight. He came into this game with over eight hundred and fifty career pass snaps. He had never. He he's another guy that's a a a a a fifth year starter. He started in nineteen, and he's a fifth year starter, not a fifth year player, a fifth year starter. He has never given up more than two pressures in a game, according to Pro Football Focus. He gave up four against Notre Dame on Saturday night. Right, like that's what turning your group, turning that group loose means. And here's the other part of it, Ryan. Jordan Patel did hardly anything in that game, pass rush wise. So you still haven't even turned him loose yet. Like he didn't have yeah. a single, according to Pro Football Focus, didn't have a single pressure in that game. You had your inside guys. Baptiste had three, which was really good, and then your linebackers had a few, but you know, like actually had five because Jack Kaiser had a couple. Maris had three. JD had one. But it's not a coincidence that you had your best pressure rate per blitz from your linebackers the same day the same game that your defensive tackles were dominating and getting upfield, right? It's not a coincidence. And I would like for you to explain why, because I think a lot of people don't understand why we've pushed so hard for this, because it's not just about the D line. It also makes the linebackers better. So can you explain why what they did with their defensive tackles on Saturday also resulted in the linebackers being more effective getting after the quarterback? Because here's, here's the numbers we talked, what was it like? It's like 109 pass, uh, uh, pressures from that group coming into the game. And I think they had like 12 total pressures on the yep. season coming into the game. But against Duke, they had a combined, see, 11. And where's J.D. Bertrand? Where's J.D.? They had 11. They had 20 pressures, 20 blitzes against Duke, and they had six pressures. Yep. So can you explain why that was so effective and, and it'll it help people understand why we've been calling for this all season? Well, offensive linemen like to feel comfortable, right? Like they don't like to be back on their heels. They like to be in control, eyes up, see their targets. And when you're a team that defensive line-wise is just kind of, I don't want to say mush rush, but a team that is just not being overly aggressive to really split gaps and be able to push the pocket, eyes are up a lot better as an offensive lineman. You can kind of see around, you can see around the surrounding areas. You can notice when there's, pressure coming when there's twists coming when there's movement up fronts but when you are in attack mode the way that the defensive line was for notre dame if you're howard cross and howard cross has now kind of crushed your face a little bit you have no time to read and react to whether jd bertrand's coming on a delayed blitz or whether maris is blitzing b and and howard cross has already crossed your face it's just all about posture as offensive linemen more than anything you want to be steady you want to feel like you are in control and you want to have your eyes up when there is pressure Eyes go down usually, chest gets turned, and that's where blind spots kind of come in pressure a lot of times. So you want to feel like you're in, in control at all times offensively from an offensive line perspective. And when you're feeling pressured, that's when those mistakes happen and when bad posture happens mostly. Here's another reason why it impacts it as well, because when you're getting a push, the whole point of playing in the, in the trenches is you are trying it's, – it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of similar to like old war right? Like here's the front line. You're trying to push it in one direction or the other, and you're fighting for territory, right? And Hey, we gained a, we gained 10 feet today. 
All right, that's a win. And and offensive line is trying to reset it in their favor. Defensive line is trying to reset it in their favor. And when your linebackers are getting through the line three, four yards into the backfield, that's a much more effective pressure as opposed to what we had been seeing. So like Maris would be coming free against NC State at the line of scrimmage. The quarterback's still five, six yards away. You know what I mean? Where now, as soon as and, – and this is what can make a quarterback – I'll speak to it from a quarterback standpoint. When I am getting defensive linemen in my face and they're getting pushed – the offensive line is getting pushed back, my eyes are naturally going to be kind of – I'm trying to look downfield, but I have this right in front of me. It makes it so much harder for me to see that linebacker coming right off his butt. Right. And then all of a sudden, I don't have anywhere to go. And that's when those pressures become more effective from a quarterback. And so there is – I've said it a million times. There's nothing more disruptive to a quarterback than when pressure comes right up your face. There's just – nowhere to go with it when sam hartman got in trouble on saturday when was it ryan it was pressure was coming right up right up at him right up from the inside and and so that's been a a huge huge part of it and i hope that it's something that we see continue because honestly if it continues then now our conversation ryan is they just got to clean up the tackling better that yep that's that's really it you know and um because you know benjamin morrison's gonna bounce back from the game he had on on saturday yeah it's definitely gonna be right Have you looked at um, Cam Hart's numbers, by the way, on the season? No, no, I haven't. Not as much. I'm just, I'm just, just going to say this. Posted, just what you posted last week or the week before. Yeah, but. the stuff against Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. So here, here's, here's something, here's something fun for you, because you know, I, I feel like Cam Hart continues to be the most underappreciated Notre Dame player on the planet. In six games, teams have thrown at Cam Hart 15 times. He has given up four completions. For 73 yards. That's it. It's not bad. That's yep. really good. Really good. Yeah. That's really good. So um he he you look at Benjamin Morris in the season, he's been very good as well. Uh he's 10 of 20. Teams have thrown at him 20 times, and he's given up 10 completions for 110 yards. So he's he's been he's been pretty good this year as well. But um yeah, Cam Hart's holding opponents to a 26.7 percent completion rate so far this season that's pretty good that's pretty good always helps to have so, great corners man defensively yes, it you does. do a whole lot of things when you have really yes, good it corners, does right? yes it things. does so yeah can't that's uh that's been a that's been a big part of um the success as well because not the other thing too is right when that's your field corner yep like you're so you're not shutting down half the field a lot of times you're shutting down like over half i mean two-thirds of the field you know what I mean? In those type of situations. So um, they, they have that there. They're just going to need to, that's the thing is they're going to just need to find some answers on how to contain a really good slot. That's the only other concern that I have is teams are going to try to take advantage of that matchup. So like what we've seen from the Notre Dame defense, um, you know, Ryan, when, when you're halfway through the season, as we talked about and your defense is, is, you know, you've played Ohio state, right? Who's, who's pretty darn good. Your defense ranks 14th in the country in 13 points per game. You know, your defense ranks, let's see, 11th in the country in yards per game. They rank ninth in the country in, in um, total yards. You know, you're, you're having some, uh, you're having some success. You're certainly, yes. you're, you're performing well. There's no doubt about that. Yep. No doubt about that. So, that's going to do it for this part of the show, Ryan. Before we go on to the Louisville preview, folks, do us a favor and hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. 
Give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. Ryan, I forgot to mention, too, when you talked about they've only, they gave up 24 points NC State, I, I like to remind people the caveat of the last touchdown to get to 24 was against Notre Dame's backup defense. They had already pulled their yep. starters. Uh, so uh, enjoyed that defensive conversation. We're going to dive into Louisville next, folks. But, again, if you have not done so, do us a favor. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.